0: speakers come to us today from Boston, by way of South Africa, and I'm going to introduce Steve, and um, I'm uh, really jealous. I think anybody, you guys who know me, I'm really jealous not to break any kind of confidence, whether it is pastoral or in friendship. But I must say, there is, uh, in our private conversations, that Steve spends uh, a lot of our precious little time that we have uh, in complaint, and that complaint is that he does not know how much God's calling and gifting of his life is for medicine and how much of the calling and gifting of God in his life is for pastoral ministry. And so there is this uh, woe betide me kind of attitude. And uh, I feel like that he does not recognize the embarrassment of riches when he daily struggles with, oh, I don't know if I get to save men's lives or save their souls. I don't know if I've been gifted with the ministry of healing physical bodies or healing their hearts. What am I to do? Because I want to do both these things and God's gifted and trained me uniquely. And my prayer has always been that God would always keep him in a state of happy confusion until there is no more need to either heal men's souls or bodies. Would you welcome Stephen Soyan as he serves the Lord here before us today.
1: Hebrew 11 says, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I always thought that going to a mission trip requires months of planning and training with a group and a special calling from God. But what I discovered from this trip is that all you need is faith in God. The faith that God gave us when we are saved by His grace. The faith is not from our wishful thinking, but consistent of persistent hope in the promise of God. We did not have any set plan or schedule before we left. However, we pray and pray and trust God. On the first Sunday, I met some of the Hope Village children and Pastor Mariki at Emmanuel Church. And some boys came up to us, asked all these kind of funny questions, such as, were you in movies? Can you teach us Kung Fu? It was just because we're from America and Asian. So I saw disappointment on their face when we answered them no for all their answers. However, I got their attention because I was flexible. DA Carson said that we have to be flexible when we go on to foreign country for a mission, adopting their cultures and more. But I did not know that it also required physical flexibility as well. The promise of teaching them a high kick gave them such extreme excitement. So at first I was anxious because things began in a different direction than I thought or planned. Teaching dance to children did not go smoothly at all. All plans had a, has to be flexible with many backup plans, and backup plans had to have a backup plan. It was like that up to the day I left, so we prayed. God reminded us again to live obediently no matter what our circumstances are and keep our hope in God and his ultimate promise. When I first visited Hope Village to teach ballet, it was right after their lunchtime. In their culture, they take an afternoon nap after the meal or before the meal. So some girls were not happy to have a dance lesson during their nap time. On the other hand, boys were so different because they knew that they will learn they would learn some high kicks and splits because the breakdance was so popular in Namibia. and they quickly discovered how painful and how dis- difficult to do these thing in such short time period. Thank you. As I spend more time with these children, I slowly discovered more things about like overall children in Namibia. It costs money to send your children to send just elementary school in Namibia. And if you have HIV, if you're HIV positive, some parents do not send them because they will die sooner or later. So why waste the money? So some child, like one of your child go to school and the other one staying home helping mom or do something. 13 years old means you are a teenager in the U.S., but it means you are ready to go out to work. Work can be selling your body to make a living, or could be stealing, or could be the gang Remember? And all. They rarely came from the functional family, and most of them had difficult... like. Difficult, you know, circumstances. But also, I didn't see any child that had the same dad, the like same father, biological father. Cheating is very common. So that some children did not understand a marriage. They didn't understand me and Steve. Pastor D. Clark asked me to produce a musical with the whole village children, performing based on the Broadway musical, Mamma Mia. However, I was concerned because of the limited amount of time that I had. We had about six weeks to learn songs and dance and acting. I hope Kenny was there. God reminded me once again who was in charge. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I heard this verse this echo in my ear over and over. All this crazy idea came up to my mind. All my words went away because God was in charge. He was clearly the man. So I would like to share with you more about the Hope Village version of Mamma Mia story. An orphan boy shares with the other children in the orphanage that it has been his dream to find his true father. The other children, they start to share their dreams with each other. One boy wants to be a doctor, another one just want to make money, and another boy wants to be a successful businessman. Then house mother tells these boys how hard to make money the reality was. So they all sang dance money song. Then chocolate lover does not care for anything. She just wants to open up the chocolate shop to have chocolate all the time. The Mamma Mia song represents her addiction for chocolate. Disco Queen shared her passion for disco and her dream to be a dancer. So girls danced and sang dancing queen. The so second half was about finding a true father. The orphan boy has lost all hope after searching many days, exhausted and discouraged. He fell into deep sleep, and in his sleep in his dream, Jesus Christ tells the boy that he needs not search anymore because he has a true Father in heaven. To all who receive me, to those who believe in my name, I gave the right to become children of God. When he wakes up from his dream, he realizes that he just met Jesus Christ. Filled with the joy, he rushed back to the orphanage to share this great news. So we pray that God would use this storyline to touch children's heart. And then during that, the time of practice, God will use me to share Christ's love to them. I was so excited to share with Steve about this, all my ideas. I'm going to use this song and this storyline. I wrote this. I'm going to cast this and that. And then as I sat down with him and, and shared about all these, I had amazing joy Feel in my heart. Then I asked God for forgiveness that I grumbled and lacked patience ever since I started to work. I moved to New York as an international student. I was passionate and nothing bothered me back then. My dream was using my talent to share the gospel, choreographing dance pieces that would touch people's heart or collaborate with other people to make a musical someday. And then, my dream faded away as I started to work at dance studio. Working at a local studio wasn't my dream. Clearly, it was an easy job. And driving many hours, low salary, away from all my friends, especially my family, did not help me at all. So I prayed over and over to God. Why he wanted me to stay, I thought if I pray, he will he will change my circumstance, but he didn't. He changed my thinking instead. I never disappointed in God, and I knew that I was in his special book camp for his future plans. So God answered my prayer about using my gifts to produce a musical to share the gospel in Namibia, even though I had forgotten about it during my dry season. And I had a chance to see all kinds of wild animals at the Itosha National Park. And it was just an amazing experience to see them up close. Namibia is a very dry country, and during the dry season, you can only find animals near the water, watering holes. Each animal had their own particular way to drink water. However, one thing was same. They all had to bow down or kneel down in order for them to drink water. Even the lion kneeled down. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow river of living water. In John, I learned that in order for me to be nourished by his life-giving water, I need to be humble before him. And I come to Jesus Christ to supply all that I need, especially in time of drought. Sharing time with uh, these children, even though I didn't have any kids own. It brought me special joy in my heart because I knew that they're poor, vulnerable, but at the same time, they're luckiest one and spoiled one, I say, because they heard the gospel. They could share the love of Christ among themselves. Even though they curl all the time or fighting, they show their old self again, but in the end, I knew they all came to the Christ and shared their love for Him. And before I left, we all hold hands together and pray that we'll promise that we'll meet again in our prayers. I don't know when I'm going to be able to see them again, but luckily I have a clip of our Mamma Mia show. And we did it twice, one for the fundraising and one for the their own family. And this one is from... Their whole village, is actual boy's house. Um, they learned so quickly, they didn't know anything. And probably if anyone knows about how to act, they were very frustrated because they memorized all the action detail line to their name. So for example, if you have to say, Steve, come close to the pastor Ed and say hi, they memorize the whole thing. So when we were going through the whole thing, they were like, Boma said, hi. So it was very interesting, um, but they kind of came to the point that how to act. And also some of the children struggle because they had to lie. Their dream wasn't uh, become a doctor. So they pulled me aside and say, do you want me to lie? So I said, no, 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 it's just acting. And he's like, but I don't want to be a doctor, I want to be a pastor. So, okay, but it's acting. And then later on, there's a boy discuss about something and the, the, I realized that one boy, I gave him a part for the be a businessman and the other one want to be a doctor. It turns out the other one want to be a doctor. So they said, instead of we're lying, can we switch it? So I had to sit down all explain them, it's not real lying before God. We're not making a scene, anything, we're just acting. So they got it, they understood. So by faith, through prayer, they all overcame their fear Or performing in front of the audience. And some of the children, they couldn't even look at the they didn't want any man to look at them because they're so abused. So it was kind of fear for them to even dance. And I asked them to do disco, so you have to shake your bottom area. And they didn't want any guys to look at them. And I didn't know what to do. And I hold them and I explained to them that, you know, you're, we are doing for, for yourself and for God. It's not for the men who are looking at you. You know, it's not they're going to harm you. So I hope you will enjoy uh, this clip. Um, they're very funny. Thank you.
2: Um, Edward, how, how much time do we have to? Bow our heads together to pray. Father, we just want to come before you and, with a, with a grateful heart, Lord, because you are so um, full of mercy, rich in mercy, God, and you are God of, of great love for us. And Lord, the things that people have shared today have touched my heart, and I know it is because of your Holy Spirit who ministers to us. And God, just in this next uh, few minutes, would you just really uh, continue to minister to us through your word? And Father, uh, we just pray for your Holy Spirit to come and that the gospel of Christ might shine in our hearts, or that you might open our eyes so we might see your glory and your beauty. So Lord, give us attentive minds, ears to hear, give us hearts, Lord, to be able to accept your truth. Lord, we totally depend upon the working of your Holy Spirit today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the last six months, around six months of this past year, uh, I spent in Namibia. And what was I doing there? I'm not going to really give a sermon. Okay, this is not a real sermon. I'm going to give a PowerPoint presentation. Okay? i have never done this like this before at the church, so I'm going to kind of turn this way. And so this is this is Namibia. Okay? You don't have to look at me. You could actually just keep looking up there okay this is maybe you see in the stars those are the kind of the areas that i spent and what i was doing i wasn't sent out by a mission agency i wasn't sent out as a missionary from a church and i was re- i wasn't supported financially by any church to do missionary work i was doing a secular i was employed by a secular organization organization called the world health organization doing work setting up HIV drug resistance surveillance in Namibia. So what does this have to do with God and why am I talking about this here? Well, so what am I? Was I a missionary or was I not a missionary? What was I doing? I was getting paid by a secular organization. Next slide please, Kathy. So this is what I was doing. I was making a tent. I was a tent maker. People have heard of that before. Raise a hand if you've heard of this phrase tent maker. Some of you haven't. I see many hands are not up. What is a tent maker? Let's take a look. at Next slide, please, Kathy. So, oh, shoot, the red. You can see it. But the Apostle Paul, did you know that the Apostle Paul worked for a living? He, he didn't just do uh, preaching. He says in 1 Thessalonians, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And what is this work? This is not preaching the gospel. This is some other work that he did so that he would not be a burden to other people while he did his ministry. And it was, So Paul was a tent maker. You see it here in Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome... And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So Paul was a tent maker. So th- what is the modern tent maker today? Next, next slide. You know, when I was preparing for the, the, my mission to Namibia, I was trying to get some inspiration. So I was like, where can I get a, a good book for an inspiration? I went to to this place called Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And it, it's not like Trinity, but, it, you know, and the books, the bookstore was not, you know, it was kind of under construction. But God put this book into my hand. It's called Today's Tent Makers: Self-Support, an Alternative Model for Worldwide Witness by J. Christy Wilson. It really transformed in a way the way that I was thinking about about my work. Let me just read to you a quotation. Um, This is from actually from John Piper, but let me just read to you. This tent making must be part of our overall strategy to penetrate unreached peoples. So what is tent making? Tent making is when Christians go to different cultures and they're not paid to be missionaries But they go and do secular occupation, doctors, lawyers, businessmen, whatever it may be, and they just work in a different culture and they they support themselves. But the purpose of why they're they're there is to do Christian ministry and to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And this is an incredible need. And what this quote says is, first, why do we need tent making to be a part of the overall strategy to penetrate unreached peoples? First... Because amazing opportunities are there. Thousands of jobs everywhere enable lay Christians like you to live in other countries and make Jesus Christ known. Second, because the cost of sending vocational missionaries is skyrocketing. The cost to send one of us Westerners over to another country is probably four to five times higher than taking someone from another country because our standard of living is so high. Third, because at least 60% of the world's population is off limits to traditional missionaries like China and most of the Muslim and Hindu world. Fourth, because Christian living for Christ in the secular workplace are crucial models for new believers in these unreached groups. So I really feel convicted and I wanted to just brief, this is not the main part of my message, but I wanted to share briefly that we as Christians, I believe firmly that we need to know what tent making is and it's exciting. You know why it's exciting? Because if you think about it, tent making is, you could do tent making, this model, right in your own workplace. And this is actually what I learned. I learned how to do this well at my own workplace when I come back to Boston. How do I live in such a way that when I work in my usual workplace, how can I be a witness for Christ? And this is what really I feel that, that God wants the Christian church His church to this is a way for his church to go forward and share the gospel of Christ. Now, the rest of the time, I just want to share something. When I was in Namibia, they asked me to give a presentation to pastors in Windhoek. That was the city that I stayed. And the reason why they asked me was because, you see, in this in this country, HIV is rampant. Maybe around 20% of the people in Namibia have HIV, and. In the churches, people come to the pastors and they ask for advice. What should we do, pastor, about our HIV? And what I found in many clinics was that they were getting things like, you should stop taking your medications, but you should just have faith in Jesus that he'll heal you. So if any of you know anything about HIV, if you stop taking your medications, this is very bad. You get what's called HIV drug resistance. So they wanted to know... How can we minister to these patients with HIV? Now, next slide. So what I want to share is HIV-AIDS, God's illustration of the inner spiritual life. One of my colleagues, one of the HIV doctors in Africa, he told me about a gentleman who had just been recently married. He's very young, he had a beautiful wife, starting his new career. And his, his boss saw his wife... And she was very beautiful, so she thought, I want to have this woman. So what did he do? He accused him wrongfully of stealing from uh, his workplace. So they threw him into jail. Now, if you know anything about jails in, in Africa, in this particular country, 60% of, of patient people in the jails had HIV, and it was rampant. So this is pretty much a sentence saying, you're going to get HIV if you send them to jail. So he did. He contracted HIV... And then this businessman, he married that, that his wife and took her into her home. So if you can imagine putting yourself into that situation, this is not a movie, this is a real story. That when he was being seen for his care for HIV, all he could do was tell the doctor, Doctor, when I get out, all I can think in my mind is to kill that man. I'm just going to go out. The only purpose for which I live now is to kill him. And when I heard stories, this is only one of many stories, when I hear stories like this, what you hear is just the hopelessness that this disease causes amongst these people. Your life is essentially ruined and they don't know what to do. So how do you minister to these types of people? How do you minister to people whose hope is all gone? And so this is what I tried to do in some meditation that I had of how to look at HIV and its spiritual life. so this is what the virus looks like. Have you seen this? This is the virus. It's very gross, disgusting looking. Right? It's terrible. Okay. It's a good thing that it's invisible. You can't barely see it. Next slide. Now, we read in Romans 8 that the Bible says the creation was subjected to futility by God. HIV-AIDS, this is my thesis, HIV-AIDS is God's physical illustration of spiritual realities. So God... When sin came into the world through Adam, the curse for sin was disease, sickness, suffering. That's what Romans 8 says. So a sin-permeated creation will be a suffering-permeated creation. But why is this? Why did God have to curse the creation in such a way that all this suffering occurred? And the reason why is that God ordains that there be suitable signs in the physical world of the moral horror of sin. When there's sin inside of our hearts, this is invisible. It's, it's impossible to see it. But what God does is He says, sin is such a, a terrible thing, it's an offense against me, and it will destroy you. Therefore, I will cause a curse on the physical world to echo the reality of the, of the inner spiritual horror that sin is. Understand that? Everyone following me? So, so what I want to do is kind of look at HIV. HIV is a curse of sin, okay? It's, it's a curse from the fall of sin from Adam. And I want to look at how this echoes the inner spiritual life. Next slide. So six ways, I'm just going to run through these quickly. Six ways God uses, go, can you go back? Six ways God uses HIV to reveal sin. Okay, this is these are the six points. First one, HIV reveals the hiddenness of sin. Next slide. What do you see here? Anyone wanna guess what's there? Edward, you see something? See <laughs> You see something? It's from the back, someone said. What is there? There's something definitely there, right? You see that on the way left-hand side, there's a little long, pointy kind of thing in the bottom? You see that? There's something in the bush. There's an outline. I took this picture in Natasha National Park. It's a picture of a lion. You see? Everyone can see the lion there? You can see the head in kind of the middle and the tail on the way left-hand side. You see? The reason why... A... Everyone see it? No? You don't see it? There's a lion there. Okay? Kathy, can you circle it? tail. Tail and head. You see that? Now, why is a lion dangerous? A lion is dangerous, yes, it has sharp teeth and fangs. But you go out there and you see that... Once it tries to run after one of the animals, an impala just runs away. There's no problem. It's so slow, it can't catch any of the animals. Not even the fat zebras can it catch. So what does it do? The lion will crouch down very low. And you know the color of the lion is very interesting. It's the same color as the grass, the tall grass in Africa. So what it does is it crouches very low in the grass, and then when an unassuming zebra comes by grazing on the grass it'll jump out really quickly and it'll pounce. Right. Next slide. So, the hiddenness of, of HIV is a picture of the hiddenness of sin. HIV also is, is hidden. You cannot see it in the body. And that was why it was so powerful. That's why it spread so quickly because HIV, you didn't know, for ten years a patient could be infected. And they would be spreading it to all these people and nobody would know. And that's why it was so dangerous. In the same way HIV is hidden, this is a picture of the hiddenness of sin. Genesis 4-7 said, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. The context of this was when there was Cain and Abel, right? God came to Cain and he was warning Cain because he was going to kill Abel. It says, Sin is crouching at your door. This word is, is a word used to describe four-legged animals who are crouching down low. So God used this imagery of a lion, of a a, a four-legged animal crouching down ready to pounce in order to describe what sin is in our lives. That sin is crouching down low and it wants to devour us. Now there are many applications to this in our own lives about sin, to know that it's hidden. Number one, we need to know that in order to get it, we can't see our own sins, right? And how are we going to, to get rid of it and fight against it if we can't see it? We need other people. We need fellowship of believers to see the sin in our lives and to be able to fight against it. Okay? Also, if you have sin in your lives, that you, you see little bits that's hiding in your life, then we need to fight against it. Don't allow little sins to be living in your life because so it, it will come up and devour us. Okay? So the first point is that the hiddenness of, of HIV reveals the hiddenness of sin in our lives. Second, HIV reveals the destructiveness of sin. Next slide. The physical destructiveness of HIV is a picture of the spiritual destructiveness of sin. Genesis 4, that same verse, sin desires to have you. It's crouching at the door, and it desires to have you, okay? But you must master it. And First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, Looking for someone to devour. Next slide. When you see lions attacking, they don't, they don't go after animals to go play with them. When, they find, when they're able to pounce on them, this is what happens. And they will, their only intent is to devour the animal. Next slide. This is a picture of someone, of what HIV does to the body. And you should keep this image in your mind. Because I think God intends for this kind of image to have an effect on our lives. And what is the effect? The effect is that in the physical realm, this is what HIV is doing to the body. And this is an image or an echo of what sin is doing in the spiritual realm to our spiritual lives. Sin is crouching at the door, and it desires to have you, but you must master it. This is a picture of someone who died of HIV. And you see that the wages of sin is death. And because of that, we can see this is a vivid picture of what sin and what Satan wants to do in our lives. That, it's, that, that if we think in our lives about all the enemies that we have, we think of somebody who, who slighted us, who did something bad to us. But if you really think about what the Bible is talking about, he called the devil, he is our enemy. He's prowling around looking for someone to devour. The real true enemy in our lives is not other people or even ourselves. The enemy in our lives is sin and Satan because these are the things that want to destroy and devour our lives. And this is actually very helpful in our fight against sin personally because I think about when I'm tempted that really this is Satan and this is sin and this, the only purpose that he has is to devour and to destroy me. Okay. Number three, HIV reveals God's mercy to heal sin. Okay, next line. This is what... When ARV's antiretrovirals came on the scene, what happened was there was incredible healing. This probably happened in the matter of months. You see, this is his before and after picture. Just being on antiretroviral therapy, he was like a completely different person. He went from being dead, having dry, dead and dry bones, to having flesh and being alive and being healthy. So this this physical picture really is a picture of the inner spiritual healing that happens when the gospel comes. Next slide. God's mercy in providing life-saving medications. So we believe that God really provided these antiretrovirals. It's a picture of God's mercy to give us the gospel of eternal life. And Ephesians 2.3.5 says, "...and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind." But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So the gospel, what it does is it makes us alive when we were dead. So when you see that kind of a picture, a physical picture, of that man who is all bones and he's he's dying, and you see right next to that uh, he's alive and he's healthy, this is a really a picture of you and me. At one point, you and I were, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but because of the gospel, he has made us alive with Christ. Number four, HIV shows the need for means of grace to fight indwelling sin. Next slide. The fact that ARVs must constantly be taken to preserve life and health is a picture of our constant need for means of grace For spiritual life and health. One of the the most important lessons that when we teach people with HIV is that they cannot never stop taking their medications for their life. It's not a cure. I mean, it will make them healthy, but even if you got rid of all the virus in your blood, there's always some virus that's living in your cells. Even living within your DNA. So it, so right now, with the, med, uh, with the medical knowledge, it's impossible to really cure HIV. So we teach patients, you have to always take ARVs for the rest of your life. If at one point you stop taking it, your life, you will lose all your health and you may die. And this isn't this a picture, a physical picture of the inner spiritual life? That even though by grace we have been saved through faith, when we were justified in Christ Jesus, it's not the end of the story. For the rest of our lives as Christians, we are dependent upon God's means of grace to make us strong and to give us spiritual health. What are the means of grace? Actually, in 2 Timothy, it says, Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That word strengthened is in the present tense, which means you need to be continually strengthened. Be continually strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What are the means of grace? The word, prayer, worship, Giving, the grace of fellowship, evangelism, spiritual gifts, and personal ministry to individuals. These are just some examples of means of grace that we all need to participate in in order to have spiritual life. Next slide. Number five, HIV shows the need to evangelize a world enslaved to sin. Next slide. This is a, a, a picture showing you the number of AIDS deaths in just one year in 2005. And you see here, North America, you have 18,000 deaths. You have Latin America, 66,000. South and South and Southeast Asia, you have 480,000. And Sub-Saharan Africa, you have 2.4 million deaths in one year. Now, this is an incredible thing. And you see, for many years, antiretroviral therapy was available to people to save their life. But many years went by... until the the world realized we needed to give it to these people in Africa who were dying. Millions of people were dying, and we were just watching them die, even though we had the means to save them. But even in the secular world, people, even amongst unregenerate people, they felt guilty, and they felt compassion, and they felt, we have to give ARVs to these millions of people who are dying. How can we just stand by and watch them die? So, how much more in the spiritual sense when we see in the world millions and billions of people who are, when the gospel is available for them, when we don't reach out to them? Next slide. So, the fact that ARVs are shared with millions infected is a picture of our responsibility to share the gospel of Christ. Mark 16 says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And in Romans, Paul says, How can they hear? Without someone preaching to them. Next slide. Last thing that I just want to share is HIV shows the source of true joy in our lives. Next slide. Suffering in poor health is God's way to show us if our hearts find joy in Him or in His gifts. Can we just turn our Bibles to Job chapter 2 real quickly? Can we just turn? We'll read it together. I my phone. Job chapter 2, verse 4. Just to give you the setting, remember in, this, in the book of Job that Satan had come to God and said, does Job serve you for not? Does he not serve you because you are, he, you are so good to him? You have given him riches, family, everything that he needs? And then God said, I'll allow you to take away his family. And then Satan brings these afflictions upon Job. And then what did Job say? He said, God gave and God take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So in Job 2, Satan came to God again and he says, Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he did. So you see here that really Satan was saying you know you you strike down his body you take away his health and you'll see what he finds his true joy in. So this is God's test for us. This is God's test for patients who have HIV. Do you and it, this really applies to any sickness that any of us may be suffering. Many maybe some of you are suffering some kind of illness in your life or other kinds of suffering. And this is really, whenever God allows these sufferings to come into our lives, it's really his test. Are you serving me for what I give you, or are you serving me for myself? Let me just finish with one verse. Next slide. Paul was in a situation where he was going to die, or he he was thinking, am I going to die or am I going to live? And he was in a prison in Rome. And and this is such a good verse that I think about all the time because, you know, if you think about the situation with a person with HIV, you know, they there's so, such a close point where they could die. And what did Paul say? He said, "...if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far." but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. So what did Paul say? Paul said, I don't know if I'm going to live or if I'm going to die, but it would be better, actually far better for me to die because then I would be with Christ. But... It would, if I am to live, this will mean it will be better for you because then I could be a worker for your joy. So I really believe that when God allows us to continue to live, for example, for the person with HIV, who God gives antiretroviral medication so they can continue, continue to live, or even applying this to ourselves, why does God even give us one extra day of life if he's given us one extra day, it must be for a purpose. Because once you become a Christian, then really the best thing for us is, if you think about it, to die and to be with Christ. Because he is our source of true joy. But if he allows us to have one extra day of life, this the Paul gives us the reason for why we should live. He says, Convinced of this, I know I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. So the purpose of our lives in which we live, the purpose for every single day that God has given us, is to pursue our own joy in Christ and to pursue other people's joy in Christ. So I just wanted to give you a little bit of a flavor of the talk that I gave for the pastors. Because they were in a situation where, you know, people are really hopeless. Um, with their diseases. And I and just thinking about that, I didn't know what else to do but to say, just to share them the gospel of Christ because it's the gospel applied to every situation in life, to every disease, every sickness, every single part of life that really gives uh, true hope. So um, you just join me in prayer. Okay. Lord, we just want to thank you for your gospel which is so very great lord we we praise you that you have um, given us new life in christ we thank you lord jesus that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins lord you came and you gave us life because of your great love and because of your rich mercy lord god we just want to praise you Lord, we thank you god that um that lord uh though their sin is in our lives, Lord, you have given us a solution to our sin in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that your blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And God, we thank you that you, Lord Jesus, have died in our place on the cross on Calvary. Lord, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Lord, thank you for the healing not only of our physical bodies, but spiritually that you have healed us because of your wounds. Lord, thank you so much for that. Lord, we just want to praise you that you have uh, won victory. You have crushed Satan underneath your feet. And we want to thank you that you are the true line of Judah who has won the victory and purchased victory on the cross. So Lord, we just want to praise you, Jesus, for all that you've done. I just want to pray, Lord, for this church. Lord, that you might lead us into the direction that you want us to go, to take what you have given us in the gospel, in Christ Jesus, and to spread this to uh, the ends of the earth. I pray that you might empower each of us to use our gifts and talents. I pray that you might use us in our own particular way, that you have enabled us. All the the gifts, the training, the abilities, That you might use us, God, in those areas, in the spheres of life, amongst the people that we meet. That we might truly be tent makers, Lord, in our own workplace. That we might not just work, Lord, to gain money or applause or or fame or to be known. But, Lord, that we might uh, work for your glory to spread your name, Jesus Christ, wherever we are and to further your gospel. So, God, we just want to pray. Thank you. And pray, Lord, that your Spirit would work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Don't think of today as a extra-long service. Think of it as you got four or five messages in one Sunday, which is a bargain. like to just hit the last two in application for you all. It was a call to tent-making for every single individual. It's a struggle that Steve faces daily. I can speak on his behalf. To unite his heart as doctor and as somebody who's an ambassador for Christ. It's a task you all share. A business person and a witness for Jesus. Designer, teacher, and one who wants to live all for Christ. May God unite each one of your hearts to bring the kind of harmonization that you saw today so that you would open your eyes to your field, whatever it is, whatever your field is, and see the glory and the living parables of the gospel that is everywhere before us. And with that parable of the gospel, it is also a call that as we engage these different ministries, that we would never engage these ministries as me who is well, me who is whole, ministering to someone who is in bonded sex slavery and therefore broken someone who has HIV AIDS while I am healthy. It is coming on a common ground of compassion, saying, I see before me a living parable that I am infected with something far greater than HIV AIDS. I was born a sinner, and Christ came and died in my place that I may know His liberation, that I may know His healing. And now I have been flowing through my veins an antiretroviral called the Gospel. And as He opened His veins to me, that by this divine transfusion I may be cleansed and made whole. I open my veins, even if difficulty and hardship, that I may give the life that has been given to me as we walk into eternity, that we would lead many away from an abyss and on a high road that leads to heaven and hope. Do you join me in prayer and say, Father God, would You humble our hearts As we come low before you, we come not as those who don't need a physician. We come as those who you came to save. We recognize the disaster and the tragedy and the great marring of sin which has corrupted and destroyed and eaten away at so many souls and spirits here. And you, the divine healer in our midst, you walk and you touch And you make whole, you cure blind eyes, you bring healing in our midst. Christ Jesus, as your grace, God, comes and counteracts all the pollution of sin, as it's rejected from our systems because of the sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit. God, may we be not just those who are healed, may we be divine carriers of this greatest of all drugs. That which not only gives a momentary healing, but heals completely unto eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for this glory and this joy and this hope which you have given to us. For we say this, all Father, in your peace and grace of Christ Jesus. The peace of Christ be with you all this week.